0: You're coming to the end of your graduate degree in public health or global health. You've secured a practicum that you're really excited about, and now you might be considering whether to rest on your laurels. In this episode, we'll be sharing three things you should do while your program is coming to a close that will set you up for success as you start your career. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with my fellow co-host, LaShawn. Sean, what's up? Hello, hello, hello. So the people wanna talk about how do they ensure their chances of success as their programs come to a close? And that's a pretty smart thing to do if you think about it. So let's talk about what that actually looks like. In graduate programs, typically in your last semester, if you will, if we're talking about public health, uh, global health, MMASC, if we talk about those programs, you have a practicum component in the last semester. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's probably a great place for us to start in terms of ensuring future success. Leveraging a practicum, what does that look like for you, Lashon?
1: Well, I think even before you start leveraging your practicum experience, I think it's important to get a real sense of what you're going to target once you leave. Mm. Okay, mm. so okay. being able to think about what you want to do when you leave because that'll help you in a couple of ways. First, it'll help you decide what skills you want to make sure you develop throughout the practicum placement. Two, it will make sure you understand what that target job entails. So if your practicum's in a similar area, you want to also learn what you like and what you don't like about the job do you like being at the desk writing reports all day yes or no do you like communicating and collaborating with a bunch of different people from a bunch of different departments yes or no do you like working remote yes or no so what i'm trying to say is that there are a bunch there are a bunch of different factors that even that you could think of that will make or break what you want to do in your target job as well so yeah, basically those two things are the things that come up to mind right away before you could even leverage. But you can't really know what you want until you know what you want.
0: But even it's good too because you can find out what you don't like mm. in terms of topic areas. And this will come into play later when we start talking about meeting people and networking. Do you want to network with someone where they're they're in a field where you have absolutely no interest Sure, if it happens organically, we never really say no to networking, meeting new people. But if if you have limited time, there's only so many hours in the day, you have to be strategic with who you speak to. So this identifying your target job or target role as you come to the completion of your program becomes very important for being efficient, even for your job applications as well.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that we gotta talk about is this idea of whether you love it or hate it, you wanna also make sure you have a good impression within your organization throughout your practicum, right, Gordon? Really?
0: You don't think so? You can't just mope around and stuff it, if you don't like it. Is that what you did? Nope. Okay. Some people probably do. Well why is this yeah, why is this important? So good impressions.
1: So here's the thing. No matter what city you're in, province you're in, country you're in Public health and global health is a small community and people will end up seeing you again, right? So you don't want to burn those bridges. There's been countless times Gordon and myself thought, hey, you know, we might be done with this practicum. We might not talk to anyone else ever again. And then fast forward a couple of years later, we're collaborating with them. So if we had left off mopey, sad, upset, bitter,
0: it wouldn't have facilitated those Connections as well as it did. And even from personal experience, I did my practicum in Winnipeg. So I uprooted myself for a couple months and I immediately noticed that it didn't seem like the project would move at the pace that I would expect it to. And it's easy to kind of think, oh, did I make a mistake? I could have just stayed in London. Uh, this was a waste of time. Nope. Instead, I maintain a positive attitude. I uh, had a good relationship with my peers, co-workers, and my supervisor. And to this day, we're, you know, on behalf of Public Health Insight, we're still uh, being asked to do projects for them outside of my role that I had there as a student. So why did this happen? Not because I sulked around or made excuses, but, we st- you know, you still, you're able to leverage that experience still, even if it didn't turn out the way that you want. So...
1: Yeah. No, exactly. And I Here's think...
0: to leaving good impressions. Exactly.
1: Leave good impressions. And you could even go a step further. While you're in your practicum, you could find out ways and address specific gaps within your organization, within the organizational framework. So if you see something in your group and you're working on a specific issue that can be improved, make sure you bring it up with someone in a very professional and polite way. And that's what I did. So there were many times throughout the practicum where I saw How I could incorporate stuff that I was doing, bring in some project management into the mix, and make things more efficient for the whole team. And those things really stand out because you come off as someone who wants to improve things and is not just someone who's just there for the ride. You want to help develop your overall organizational benefits, right? You want to just make it a better environment to be in, make things more efficient, and then ultimately you save time, you save cost. And it's a good time for everyone. So me doing that and adding value in my own unique way, I was able to get rehired as consultants, consultant, blah, 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 and so on. Even though I had never thought I would be able to work in this specific area, if you keep that positive framework and you don't mope around and you try your best to make the best of the situation, great things can happen.
0: And it ties in nicely to... The idea of connecting with people in the organization. So along that same example, I I mentioned my project wasn't going the way that I expected. I spoke with other people in the organization working on different things and it turns out that I met someone who was working on something to do with antimicrobial resistance and pharmaceutical waste. Fast forward a few months, my supervisor realized that I had some experience in pharmacy and then ended up paying me to do consulting on that project. So even though I, the primary project that I was there to complete didn't work out the way we were all expecting, other opportunities still open up. And I probably left happier than I would have if I did the original project. And, and you know,
1: the thing is, what helped facilitate that mainly is, sure, you had that positive attitude, but you're very easy to communicate with, right? Many people that I know, like professors, etc., call you the master communicator. Oh, no. So that really helps facilitate the process. Sure, you could be doing all the great work, but you want to be someone who you can get along with pretty easily.
0: Yeah, that's a a great point. And being social is not easy for everybody. Sometimes I'm not even in the mood to be social, but when you're working with people and you're not really in a formal working relationship yet, it's important that they think man, is Gordon, would Gordon be a cool person to work with and have lunch and like just talk about you know different public health interventions and different projects? Those are some of the things that they're thinking about in addition to your technical skills and knowledge. So you have to demonstrate that on the job. If you go to a practicum and you just keep to yourself in your little booth in your corner, you never talk to anyone during lunch hours and when work's done, they don't have an impression of you. And a, no impression could be just as bad as a bad impression. Mm. So you might you want to think about those things.
1: Yeah, and kind of in line with that and putting yourself out there a bit, connecting with other people in your organization could mean finding the organizational chart just to figure out what are the different positions in this organization, like the directors, the managers, and the specialists. Figure out what level you would be interested in and what specific areas that you would be interested in. And reach out to them while you're in the practicum placement, because first of all, you have that internal listing, you have those emails available to you, and they're more likely to help you out because you're in the same organization. They don't want to; they're less likely to reject you, in my opinion. So make sure you send out a couple of emails and just get to know them—a quick fifteen-minute chit-chatting, and just Mm. you know, ask them specific questions. So what? Yeah, what what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What kind of skills are needed to get to where you are? What kind of, what was your educational trajectory? Stuff like that. Just have a chat and then that could lead to pretty much anything. So you never know. It's easy to just, just be passive about it. But there's so much more that comes when you're a bit more active in this process.
0: Yeah, like the piece that you said about do it while you're at the organization, right? It's not a good look. That you had the opportunity to do it. And then three months down the road when you're desperate, you're reaching out back to someone that you could have easily spoken to when you were at the organization. So you want you want to think about these things well in advance so you're not in that position. And what do you always tell me? Like you want to network before? Mm, you want to network before you need anything. Mm, okay. Right. Drop some like credit in the bank. Mm, okay. Right. You want to make money before you need to spend the money. Alrighty, right because then you end up having to spend money you don't have which is not good Mm -hmm. you know credit scores no credit scores okay so (laughs) in we have something called office hours and in office hours LaShawn and I at Public Health Insight we have a free 30-minute meeting that we have with students early career professionals mid-career professionals people changing their careers having been in the working space for 10 20 years coming from different countries So we dedicate time on Mondays as of right now to do that. And through this experience, we've probably spoken to hundreds of people. And we have a couple of testimonials to show what these people are getting out of the session. And LaShawn, you want to read one of those testimonials?
1: All right, sure. So this one is from Jack. Fresh out of my MPH program, I was uncertain about what career path I want to go into and what kind of skills I need to develop further to reach my goals. LaShawn and Gordon showed me some insights. They've learned along the way to better equip themselves as working public health professionals. And, and it has opened my eyes to the endless possibilities and tools I want to pursue and gear up to create the impact in the field of my interest. It's sa- it time. sounds like we're working some magic in there, huh?
0: <laughs> so, you know, as you say, it's not magic. What do you say? It's not magic. It's it's just getting.
1: It's just listening, man listening just listening listening.
0: the whole point of all this is to say that there's not right at least as far as we're aware of there's not like a blueprint or book that you can go and buy that tells you exactly what to do when you start your mph or whatever graduate program that you're in related to public health or global health and how to then go and target a career that you're going to be satisfied with as as far as we're aware that doesn't exist so we make ourselves available as a resource to basically give you more clarity around your career and your goals. So if that's something that you're interested in, feel free to book a session with us. The link will be in the description.
1: That's correct.
0: So, Gordon, what are some other
1: things you could do to kind of explore areas you're interested in? Mm. And then this could be outside your practicum in general. Just mm. other ways.
0: Yeah. So the we, we talked a little bit about you're on the practicum. How do you get the best out of it? Mm. Another thing you should be doing in parallel is to also leverage your immediate alumni network. So that's the first thing. Obviously, you can go meet alumni from different schools, different programs. But if you're talking about your comfort zone, it's easy to connect with someone and say, Hey, I see that you're from cohort 2019. I'm from 2021 looking to get some thoughts on X. So you want to do this in a targeted way. So if you're interested in health promotion, you've seen that Gordon went on to do health promotion two years ago. It might be a good idea to connect with Gordon and ask him, how did that come to be? If there was any lessons learned that he can share. So that's one of the values of speaking to alumni. What about you, LaShawn? Anything with meeting others outside of uh, practicum?
1: Yeah, you know what I like about that? You know, meeting alumni or people from other schools that have recently graduated is because they share a similar work environment and they have found jobs in a similar climate as you might be looking at. And it's more recent. There's is obviously value of networking with people years and seven years and 10 years ahead of you. But there, I, I find it's more relatable when you could find someone like a Gordon, which is who's like a couple years in and you know, has navigated this space more in a more recent time. It's more applicable to your situation. So keep that in mind. And then the obvious one, there's so many different tools on LinkedIn you could use. You could literally search by your school on LinkedIn to find people who have attended the same school and figure out what type of jobs they're in currently, right? And if any of those jobs are really interesting to you, you could set up a quick meeting to learn more about it simple, right? And here's the thing. Okay. You are bound to be rejected. Many times people might not respond, people might say no, people might say they don't. Why should they? That's okay, right? You there are always other people out there that are down like myself, Gordon, many other public health professionals who are down to just take some time aside to help people who are in need of a bit of guidance. So don't let someone who says no spoiler day or week or just make you stop, you know, continuing that networking grind. If you're not feeling too good about it and you've 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 been rejected and you're not feeling good, set up an office hours meeting with me and Gordon and one of the things we love doing is just hyping everyone up and being super motivational. So we'll bring your energy back to one hundred.
0: One hundred. So organizations, one and this is probably my favorite way to go identifying employers that value your skill set and offer positions that you're able to excel in or that you're interested in so how would you suggest going about connecting with those organizations do you go on the website do you like do you find someone who works there how do you typically go about this
1: yeah I would say first of all I would connect with my immediate network to see if they have any leads or connections that are maybe friends of them, colleagues, or they just know them by working with them um, in the past. So I would check to see, hey, I want to work in the Red Cross. Gordon, do you know anyone from the Red Cross that you may have interacted with? And Gordon's going to be like, yeah, I actually knew this one person one time. I could probably set up a little connection. And then there, there it goes, right? That's a warm connection. It's much harder to just reach out to someone when you're just cold and you you have no connection to them whatsoever, right? And yeah, so that's the first thing. The second way that I usually go about doing it is I just connect with them on LinkedIn. And just a pro tip to anyone who's trying to connect with the, anyone else on LinkedIn, make sure you introduce yourself in the intro message. Whenever you add someone on LinkedIn, it'll pop up, there's a little pop-up that says send a message. Make sure you send a message. Don't just send the connect button and expect them to connect with you and all that stuff. Just even if it's a quick introduction thing, just make sure you have an intro, explain who you are and just a bit more about yourself and maybe a couple of questions for the person. But just be brief. Make it custom and tailored. It's no different than putting out a resume or cover letter.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. And even on LinkedIn as well, if you found an organization that you're really, really adamant to find opportunities in you can go on their company page mm-hmm. on linkedin right and it shows you the people that are working in that organization In i think there's a people tab or employees tab somewhere and then you could basically go through and see who's working there and then use LaShawn's technique that he just mentioned hey i see that you work here i'm really thing about getting into the Public Health Agency of Canada would like to pick your brain about X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. if, when you have time. Done. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's some good general, I guess, LinkedIn etiquette. You would call it LinkedIn Yeah, LinkedIn etiquette? Exactly. Uh, networking etiquette to follow. Now, that will only get you so far. It's what you do with that information. So the idea is meeting these people will give you valuable information on how To tailor your next steps to get you one step closer to getting a job so we have to think about though exploring the right opportunities as we come to the end of our programs so what do you have to say about exploring opportunities as we get ready to graduate LaShawn?
1: my go-to is just always saying have realistic expectations as an under as a someone who graduated from a master's degree with not a lot of experience it's an unrealistic expectation to get like a manager level or a director level position. It's not completely impossible, but it's very rare, right? You must be like doing something really impressive to make that happen or have a really good connection. So the majority of people, you're not going to land those types of jobs. So there are a bunch of entry level or early entry level positions that are quite good to develop your foundations and get your feet a bit wet in public health and global health. So those are some things you should take a good hard look at. And one of the things I always tell people okay, is that you might have an area of interest which we're telling you to find and target, but sometimes that job might not be available right away. Does that mean you stop looking until that type of job comes back? No. There are transferable and relatable skills that you can get from other areas within public health and global health. And take some time to develop those skills, even though they're not in your target area of interest. All right? What do you think about that, Gordon?
0: Precisely. Mm. I didn't say it better myself. And I'll give you an example, too, of we talked about a couple steps that you should follow when you're winding down your program. We're not telling you anything that we haven't done. So before getting my practicum, I had the opportunity to network with employers across the different health units in Ontario and I asked them if you had to give me one job that is accessible for recent graduates, what would that job be without hesitation? This person who was a director for a environmental health program at one of the health units told me without a doubt, health promotion. He said, mm. we can never find enough health promoters to do program planning and evaluation. I said, okay, my goal is to get a job right after graduating. So less so, mine was maybe I was interested in a bunch of different things, but my priority was also to get a job as soon as possible. So my target job became the job that I could get as soon as possible. So I tailored my practicum experience, tailored those learning objectives to fit something that would be useful as a competency for a health promoter, okay? I applied to health promotion jobs and also jobs that could benefit from a health promotion skill set like LaShawn mentioned, knowledge translation, etc., etc. I had a few interviews for knowledge translation positions and health promotion positions, and I was lucky enough to land one. So it just goes to show when you have that targeted strategy you have a little bit more clarity. And even when you send out your resume or job application, your employers can see, wow, this person really tailored their experience to working in this position, and they're not all over the place. And that's something that they really, really value.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you nailed it right on the head there. So make sure whenever you're applying to these different jobs, you keep Gordon's advice in mind, right? You want to make sure that whatever job you go into – Understand that there are some transferable skills. In Gordon's case, health promotion was suggested, which of course has so many different transferable skills to other areas, right? And so people often ask the question, when should you start applying for practicum placements? Or sorry, when should you start applying for jobs? Should you do it during your practicum placement? After your practicum placement?
0: When do you do it? You start it after your first day of your practicum. So, the, the reason you do this is, and then, you know, obviously the answer is always more nuanced, right? So, from the process of job searching, job applications, doing an interview, getting the position, and starting the job can take months. So, if it's important for you to be hired before graduation or shortly after graduation, you will need to start applying in your practicum within the first few
1: weeks. That's interesting. So that brings up the question, is it important to be patient during this time when you're sending out applications, like during your practicum and towards the end of your practicum? When can you expect to hear back from people? Because I understand that it takes a while sometimes.
0: Yeah, and one thing I learned, right, is the pace of job application cycle depends on the organizational need. So are they backfilling a position where someone left unexpectedly? Are they filling a position where the project is crucial at a crucial point and they need someone in ASAP? Are they filling the position based on an expected time off from a current employee? So what often happens is in my case, so I applied to my position at the health unit, from June, so practicum start in May. I was applying and I think the one I like I applied early June or something like that. I got an interview invite August. So, and then mm. I started the position right. I think in October. Wow. So, we're talking about a 4 5 month turnaround time Golly. from that singular job application. Jeez. Right? Yeah. I thought it was over. I forgot about it. I applied, forgot about it, but I saved, thankfully, a PDF of the job posting and I was able to refer back to it because I keep a sheet with organizations, position, deadline of the posting, when I applied, what was the email, what was the response, blah, 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 blah. I keep track of all those things. So I was able to refer back to it, but be patient because you don't know how long something's going to take. However, while you're being patient, even when you get a job interview the night before I did my interview, I was still applying to other jobs. Okay? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I don't know if I was going to get the position. Does this mean that I wasn't prepared and I was wasting my time applying for it? No, I was prepared. But there was another job came up that I really liked. And the deadline happened to be close to when I was going to do the interview. I still applied. So you, you can't really stop doing it until you actually secure something.
1: I, I love that idea. And again... You know, nothing is guaranteed. So if you're offered an interview, that doesn't mean you stop your whole process just to figure that job off. Sure, you could take a bit more time to dedicate more time to prepare, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can stop everything you've been doing and working so hard for and just focusing on that one egg, okay? So we, we talked about things you could do during your practicum. We talked about the different types of people you could connect to and how to connect to them. And now we were talking about exploring the right opportunity for you and setting realistic expectations and talking a bit about when to apply and how to apply to different job positions. How can Public Health Insight Office Hours help students and early career professionals with this process?
0: Don't take my word for it. I'll share you something, a testimonial from Natalie that we got from using Office Hours. And Natalie says the Office Hour session was a great opportunity to chat with public health professionals who are experienced and knowledgeable about their field. I had the chance to ask questions and discuss my previous experiences and learn how I could further improve these skills to prepare me for a future public health career. So the takeaway from this is that you're not alone, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard to figure out these things ourselves, and it's just nice to bounce ideas off different people. So even if you're talking to us at Office office Hours, you might be networking with other people on LinkedIn to gather information. This is just a good practice to just get some more clarity on what you want to do, and maybe learn about things that you weren't aware of. So this is what Office Hours offers. We, to the best of our ability, provide some information that you could use, and in, in exchange, we also learn about the various challenges that you're facing. And maybe what we can do to help.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much, Gordon. Yeah, That's it, folks. That's it, folks. This
0: was Gordon and LaShawn signing off. Later. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.